Welcome to KC Corner. This is episode two of our new podcast that gives a behind-the-scenes look of King's Chapel. I am Brooks Robinson, and I'll be joined by Jeff Jakes, and this week we'll be recapping Triumph of the Lamb Part 4, where we looked at the Church of Smyrna, and then we'll be looking ahead to Part 5 of the sermon series as we continue to make our way through the Book of Revelation. Let's go. All right, welcome to episode two of KC Corner. We made it and didn't get canceled after one episode. That's good news, isn't it, Brooksy? (laughs) And you made it here. In this early morning, after the Bolts game last night, and a big win for them coming back home from their West Coast trip. Yeah, it was a big win. I loved it. Uh, Caleb and I, actually, Caleb took me to the game. Um, he felt bad the last time they went. Uh, I got shut out and left at home. So uh, it was great uh, that we went over and really enjoyed the game. I loved the Lightning, as you know, Brooksy. And they didn't play great, to be honest with you. I mean, they, they didn't have very many shots. But, hey, we will take a win, a 4-2 win. It was Always good to be over there and support the Bolts. Partially my fault, too, from last time, I'm pretty sure. Uh, we had set it up like, hey, they're at home. Uh, might as well go to the game. And forgot to shoot you a text before we left downtown when we picked up Caleb. I really don't think it was partially your fault, Brooksy. <laughs> I, I think it was all your fault. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, on that note, we, we can just get right into the recap of uh, Triumph of the Lamb Part 5, where we talked about the Church of Smyrna. Um, and their suffering and everything they were going through. So Jeff will start to recap that. Yeah, with what I meant to say and what I meant to say with Smyrna. So, hey, first of all, as I was studying for this sermon and I was reading about Polycarp's martyrdom and found out that uh, it happened on the same day, February 2nd, that I was preaching the sermon. It was like it was like finding a gold nugget, digging in the sand at the beach or something like that. And I was like, I wanted to do a dance. It's like, oh, my goodness. Uh, this is amazing. I can have a opening illustration that is so poignant about what was happening there. And I could say February 2nd, you know, in the year 156. Uh, how, how often can you do that, right? And so... Uh, I'm a little jab at my grandpa. Oh, yeah. yeah you know what? And, and uh, the truth be told, I actually put that in my notes. I knew it was coming. I, yeah, I, I, we saw it in the booth, too. <laughs> okay. We were ready for it. <laughs> well, I was I was trying to make it feel like it just came off like, uh, uh, you know, something naturally or it just came to mind. As a matter of fact, at one time I heard that, uh, I think it was Winston Churchill used to put in his uh, speeches, like places to pause and different things like that. So, yeah. Sorry about that, Robbie. You the man. We love you, bro. You, you, you might be as old as Methuselah, but man, you're a good dude. So uh, <laughs> so finding that little nugget out about Polycarp was really, really cool. And then, you know, secondly, what I'd like to say, and I know I haven't gotten there uh, to the point yet, but hang on, it's coming, is I learned so much as I study preparing for these sermons. Anytime I do a sermon series, you get to dig in. It's, uh, it's just so much learning in God's word, and I absolutely love it. And oftentimes you probably think that, well, didn't you know this coming out of seminary? And seminary gives you some great tools. And I'm really grateful for my time at seminary. It gives you great tools for like the big picture of the Bible. And it helps me have the right tools in my toolbox, so to speak, that I would need to dig to find the nuggets in God's word as you prepare to preach. But it doesn't tell you everything. It kind of gives you the shell that you're going to have to, you know, build within and uh, help prepare a sermon. So... And there's so much digging and there's so much research to do. I think I might have said it last week that you're always a little bit nervous of what you don't say or or what you might leave behind. But I'm grateful for the seminary education. I got Reformed Theological Seminary right here in Orlando. And I was able to squeeze, as I like to say, three years of my Master's of Divinity into eight years. Uh, and it was certainly well worth it. But 
you know, when it comes to uh, the church in Smyrna, what I really wanted to stress was uh, it shows us that a persecuted and suffering church can be a thriving church. Uh, there was a phrase in the early church that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And, you know, when you think of that, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church that God often uses persecution and, and those like Polycarp who gave their life for Christ to, to bring on growth and excitement into the kingdom. Um, and oftentimes the church uh, really does thrive better sometimes under adverse circumstances. And in the midst of persecution, we really see uh, the kingdom advance. But, but what is most striking about the church in Smyrna is the description of who Jesus is and what he knows. And that's, if there's anything else about Smyrna, it's like the portrait of what we see is Jesus, of Jesus. Uh, it says again, he's the first and he's the last. He was the one who was dead, but is now alive, the living one. Um, and so when you, when you realize when you're going through hard things, you know, Jesus is eternal. He's outside of this. He's beyond this. He's over this. And it's really encouraging. He's conquered even death. We have hope. But I love what it says, what he knows. Um, you know, I, I know. Like in the church of Ephesus, he says, I know your works. And uh, and this this church with Smyrna, he's like, hey, I know your tribulation. I know your poverty. I know your struggles. I even know your future struggles. But what makes this so much beautiful and so wonderful of a passage is Jesus doesn't know it uh, just as, uh, you know, something that he's aware of. Uh, that, hey, I'm aware of them. Uh, there's more than that. He knows our tribulations and suffering personally because he's endured them himself. I mean, think about that, Brooksy. That's so cool. When someone says, hey, man, I, I know you're going through a hard time. Um, that feels good. Mm-hmm. Um but when someone that you know has gone through the same hard time, um, you know, I remember when you uh, had some back issues in high school. I think it was actually uh, Zach Kaslow uh, had some, yeah, had some, had some, uh, also some struggles in high school, and mm-hmm. you know, came to you and said, "Hey, man, I, I know what you're going through," and I think he had that right because he'd been there. He had gone through some difficulty as well. So when you see the beauty of our Savior. Um, coming alongside us and knowing our tribulations, our suffering, our struggles, because he endured themselves. That's such good news. But then we get to even better good news, the incredible gospel that he's conquered all our tribulations and sufferings. And and through his victory, we really have peace. And this is, this is why he could say the command he gave to us. Listen, don't be fearful. Don't be fearful because of who I am. Uh, I got this. I'm the first and the last. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. Don't be fearful because I was once dead, but now I'm alive. Nothing can touch me. And don't be fearful because I know, I know, I'm not just aware I've experienced. I've not just experienced, I've conquered. And because of that, don't be afraid. What can, what can mere flesh do? I mean, what, what can happen to us? And, uh, um, you know, he's going to give us that crown of life, which is, which is so cool. So, uh, and then he'll say, hey, be faithful unto death. And, you know, what a challenge, be faithful unto death. And you think, well, he was faithful unto death. And that's what's so beautiful about our Savior. You know, I think we mentioned it last week as well. God's not going to ask us to do something that he himself isn't willing to do. And, and so um, here you have Jesus, like Philippians 2.8 will say, became obedient even to point of death, death on the cross, so that we could have that crown of life. And um, it's the crown of life that Jesus earned 
through his life, death, and resurrection he shares with us, which is really good news. So when it comes to Smyrna, when it comes to struggling, I think the point of all points is that remember who Jesus is. Remember what he knows, and that will really give us hope. And going back to talking about struggling, sometimes the most important thing when you're going through something is just talking, like you mentioned, Zach, talking with someone and them listening and having empathy for you. It's not like they have to do anything or need to do anything. Sometimes you just need to talk, talk it out, and get it out there. And um, that's what Jesus does, lets us know, and he knows all of our suffering before we do even do. Yeah, and I think that's a great point. I mean, uh, oftentimes it's just showing up, right, and and just have the comfort that you're not alone. And I think early on we saw in Revelation 1, and, and again he mentions it in the church of Ephesus in the early 2, is that he's he's with us in the lampstands in the church. He's, he's among us, and so... Um, He's, he's there. And it's a great point when someone shows up in the midst of your pain. And what a great reminder for us to be the church, you know, that to, to love others and to come alongside them. You know, it's interesting. Oftentimes as a pastor, I've, I've, I've heard people say, I just don't know what to say, especially at a memorial service or a funeral. Uh, a lot of times people don't know what to say. And it's, it, you know, it's, 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 it's as if the right combination of words is going to alleviate someone's suffering. It won't. But what will is your presence and just being there and just saying, you know, I'm going to weep with you who weep and hurt with you. It's a, it's a great point of just, you know, caring for other people and showing up. And a random nugget, there's a person I follow on Twitter. He's like a comedian, but when he was in college and his young adult life, he said he went through some anxieties um, and some depression and everything. So he always, he tweets out basically every day, like you are not alone. My DMs are always open. If you're ever having a panic attack, you can't get in contact with anyone or anything like that, that so cool. you, you can always reach out to him because he understands uh, those circumstances and, you know, wants to help people any way he can with his platform. I, I love it. You know, and that's really what the power of the gospel does. It looks, it lets us look at our brokenness, our insecurities, the issues that we have in our life. And instead of feeling shame and instead of trying to cover them up, because we're loved in Christ and because he works through broken sinners, we could be honest. I mean, I love that. Uh, I mean, how cool of somebody who's got a national platform who uses it not just to make people laugh, but to, to bring healing to folks. And I think whatever platform we have, we should be doing the same. There's a book called Wounded Healers. And I think that that's, uh, I think that that's what we are. We're, we're wounded and we're supposed to be healers trying to help others. And Again, the gospel lets us take the mask off, that we're all broken, we're all needy. And, uh, you know, if you share that, there's power in that. So that's good stuff. He loves us, and he knows that we're going to suffer, and that's okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah. going into this, you got another point? No, no, that's good. Let's go. But going into this week now, into part five of Triumph of the Lamb. Um, Cinco. What what church are we looking at this week? And Pergamum. Which letter? Pergamum. You know, Pergamum, uh, a little bit further north of Smyrna, um, yeah, I guess it's about 10 uh, miles or so off the Aegean Sea coast. But what this city was known for, uh, apparently uh, it had this hillside uh, that was like a thousand feet high. And on top of the uh, this hillside or this mountain, it really was an incredible temple for Zeus. And uh, this Pergamum was had four major pagan religions right there. And so Christianity, the church in Pergamum was in the midst of a, a cultural influence around them of different worldviews that was really negatively affecting the church. And um, 
you know, I think that it's so pertinent to us today because there's so many poor uh, worldviews or different worldviews or anti-Christian worldviews that are around us as well. And you got to realize that, you know, all religions aren't equal and all worldviews are not the same. Um, you know, in the Church of Ephesus, we saw the primacy of love. You can be a great church doing a lot of great things. And if you don't have love, man, you're hurting. When it comes to Pergamum, really the issue is truth. How are you holding on to truth? And with, with Christianity, that's so essential that we have both love and truth coupled together. And so um, we cannot lose that. We got to be able to, as a church, unapologetically proclaim truth and, and unapologetically live in the light of God's truth. And it may not be culturally pleasing or relevant to folks around us, um, but, you know, the church has got to be very careful that we don't become more like society. You know, as salt and light, we are to have a change agent on them, and they don't aren't supposed to have a change agent uh, uh, upon us. And so, what was happening apparently in Pergamum is that they really uh, uh, let some teachings, um, some false teachings, get into the church. And um, you know, apparently they were loving people well, but they started saying, "Ah, oh, man, you know, those people are sincere." Uh, you know, hey, I'm going to care for them, and I'm not going to necessarily uh, guard um, the truth as strongly as I should. And they started synchronizing. Uh, you've probably seen that bumper sticker where coexist, you know, and uh, I'm, I'm going to talk about it again on Sunday. I see you laughing because maybe you remember like, I've, I've talked about that in the past, but coexist isn't re the goal for Christianity. Well, let me make sure you say this. Obviously, we got to love our neighbor no matter who it is. But we cannot put all of worldviews and all religions in a blender and blend it up and drink it and say, hey, they're all the same. They're not. You know, Jesus came and Jesus personified truth. He personified love and truth in one person. And he did it perfectly. And we're to reflect that. Personify in Christ both love and truth. Uh, even when Jesus was before Pilate, you know, uh, Pilate asked him a question, what is truth? You know, Jesus would say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, what is truth? In a world that doesn't know, blinded by sin, what truth is, as Christians, we got to hold tight to that. So we're going to look at this week, what I hope to say is just the amazing importance um, for us to grow in our worldview, our understanding of Christianity, so that we could stand for truth. I think we do now kind of live in a twisted world with a bunch of new ideas and everything, and that's kind of the, the saying um, of these times, but it addresses in the Bible too, <clears throat> looking at different tribes and groups of people uh, that do have some twisted ideas, whether it's worshiping golden calves, sure. um, you know, inter intermarriage and everything. Um, there's, there's some different twisted ideas in the Bible, so it talks about it back then, and it's still going on now. So it's nothing new and crazy, but we always do kind of talk about it more in this day and age. It's so true, and I think a good point. I think uh, there really is nothing new under the sun. Things seem to resurface over and over again and, uh, you know, rear their ugly heads in different ways. And because we're sinful and by nature, God, God, two things happens here. God makes us in his image, so we're going to be drawn to worship something. And yet, because of our sin and brokenness, we're, we're compelled to worship the wrong thing until God gives us a new nature and able to worship him. So 
this is not a, a new battle. It was true for Pergamum. It's pr true for us. And uh, But I think that we live in a time, especially right now, Brooks, it seems like it's like, hey, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Or, uh, you know, if that's good for you, that's good for you, that's not good for me. It's almost, it's, it's like truth has become, um, you know, <laughs> your personal truth. It's not uh, something that's totally true. And, and that's... Uh, that's just not true. You know, there is a truth and there is a, there is a, a false or a wrong. And uh, it's all seen in God and his word, uh, obviously in his son. So, um, yeah, we got to be careful and fight against it. Live in the age of don't want to offend anyone. Yeah. And, and, you know, as Christians, it's hard because we get confused like, hey, love your neighbor. Don't offend him. Uh, there's times where we're going to have to stand up for what's right. And, it, it you know, the I love what scripture says. Paul says that. Um, the gospel is going to be the aroma of both life and death. To some, it'll be the aroma of life, and it'll be awesome for those that God's working in their heart. But the world's going to think we smell like death, and uh, but that's just what the gospel does. Well, that sounds good. We'll see you guys Sunday for that. Yeah. Come Sunday now. You can't you can't say, hey, I listened to this, and I want to go to church. <laughs> man. We need you to go in there and put something in the offering basket this week, will you? <laughs> I'm just kidding. So we want to keep these episodes around 15 to 20 minutes. So this week, uh, we'll just do one more segment here at the end. And it's uh, from Jeff's devotional, um, what he's been reading kind of over the past week, and some little nuggets that he's come across. Yeah, from my devotional bag. So... You know, I want to highlight this morning, uh, as you can see here on radio or, or podcast, uh, this beautiful leather edition of the Valley of Vision. Isn't that nice? <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. It's yeah. beautiful. Uh, and, you know, this is, uh, I, I don't know why I feel like uh, God speaks to me more clearly when I'm holding leather bound books and paperback or something. Makes you feel way smarter. <laughs> <laughs> it does. You know, I, I want to have a dead cow in my hand. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay, let's get to the point. Uh, the Valley of Vision, you know, if, if the subtitle was a compilation of Puritan prayers, who would buy it, right? Uh, Maybe someone would buy it and say, did they burn witches in this thing or what was going on? But um, the Valley of Vision, it really is. It's it's um, it's not broken out daily. It's just listed. There are different sections, but I'm going to show it to Brooks here. There's just a, a prayer that takes uh, two pages every day that you can pray. Um, and what I love about it, here's the point. What I love about the Valley of Vision is it seems like the Puritans had a passion for God's holiness. And with that, they had an incredibly deep appreciation for their sinfulness. And uh, it's it's like the gospel had been beautiful sandpaper to their life and souls, where they were they were very sensitive um, about their sin. And they were very sensitive that they were broken and needy. I will say they sometimes swung that too far, where they went to self-loathing. But Here's what I love is that because they were so broken and because they realized with great clarity their brokenness, it provided a lot of room for God's grace in the gospel. It was like they were a deep well. And when you're a deep well, the good news of the gospel can fill that up to the brim. And so when you go from the, the darkness of your sin to the beauty of Christ, they, they, when they make that pivot and they talk to Jesus about Jesus, there is just a beauty. There is just a, uh, the gospel. And they, they sing Jesus's praises and are trying in God's praises and in a way that um, just sings to my soul. And I, I think it is this combination. 
they realized their depravity, and so the gospel was even more beautiful. And I think that sometimes, Brooks, we we don't dig deep enough into our own sinfulness. And I think that what that happens is that we don't appreciate deep enough the, the beauty of, of Christ's blood and righteousness that covers us. And so if you only have a thimble full of repentance, you probably only have a thimble full of of the gospel and uh um you know that's what i love about it so every day this is a devotional that never leaves my devotional bag i've been doing this for i can't tell you how many years and i just when i get to the end i start over again i just read it from cover to cover try to do one a day um and just i love being connected um to their their the way they thought and the way they saw the gospel yeah i think you've talked about it recently <clears throat> where getting to know the lord more is getting to see our brokenness more. It's not realizing how good we are and how great we are. It's seeing that contrast of basically how bad we are and how <laughs> glory-filled God is um, and how mag majestic he is. It's so true. And I think, you know, even let's, I think we might even mention Paul, that here is the Apostle Paul, and that the longer he lived, the more he realized that he was the chief of sinners. And um, I think that that's because the, God, the grace of God that shows us how desperately, you know, scripture says we are dead in our trespasses and sins. So what, what an incredible gospel that makes us alive in Christ Jesus. Think of Ephesians 2, read Ephesians 2. Um, and then, um, you know, the grace that's been given us that, that we are loved uh, right where we are is, is beautiful. It's incredible. Well, there we have it. Episode two in the books. Hey, remember, folks, there's always room in the corner for you, and uh, we, we love it. So come join us. Tell your friends and people about us. Uh, pass this uh, podcast on to others, and uh, come join us on Sunday. See you guys next week. Hey, Brooksy, by the way, you are doing great with this, and I, I love how great <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, you know, uh, you're, I'm getting so many kudos. People are talking more about you than me, and I don't like that. <laughs> no problem. No problem. See you guys next week. <laughs>